0: brand new podcast friday february 2 2024 i don't like this month because it's hard for me to say my texas dialect february how do you say it february yes. february, Febu- february. Well, a lot of people say february they skip that I, I first do. R. A a lot of people do that so uh, if you'll allow february Fe- anyway okay. It is Groundhog Day today, and Mary Danielson is here, and it's a very special guest today. Mary will be talking to herself. I'll be talking to myself, yes, live. Yeah, Fred, Fred, Fresh Podcast, (laughs) Fred Podcast Friday. We are 100% organic. The -hmm. only preservatives are the Word of God. It is also, yes, as you said, Groundhog Day, and we put no stock whatsoever in a large rodent telling us the weather or how to measure the seasons. Um, they are also called ground squirrels or marmots, so happy ground squirrel day. I know it doesn't have that ring, but it's the same general thing. So anyway, uh, we have headlines today, and I want to start with uh, two Bible verses. That's a first for me, two Bible verses that are somewhat related. The first is Hebrews eleven thirteen to 16, which says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them embracing them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And Philippians For Our conversation is in heaven from whence we also look for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. And very interesting, that word conversation is politiuma, conversation. Our politics, our government is in heaven. Amen to that. Praise the Lord. So would you pray with me this morning? Let's seek the Lord together. Heavenly Father, we do indeed look for a city in which you are the builder and maker and where you reign in righteousness. Help us to daily have this perspective and seek to do your will by your strength and power. Until that day, Lord, help us to patiently endure. We lift up anyone who is ill or discouraged today and ask for that same power to raise them up and set their feet on the rock that is Christ. Help us to be found watching and waiting and longing for that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I mentioned last Friday that there are some great prophecy conferences popping up all over the country in 2024, but I need to make a correction. The Appleton-Great Lakes Spring Conference dates have been changed to April 26th to 28th. So last weekend in April. Uh, guests include Chris Quintana, Jim Fletcher, Gary Kaa, Rob Yardley, Jeff Sowald, and and more. We're not done yet. So stay tuned to the queue as we get closer. And also ccappleton.org will have updated information. All right, headlines today. I'm going to jump right in. we got some some good headlines for today. Uh, the first one is from technocracy expert Patrick Wood, and it's called Genetic Scientists on Track to Create a Genetically Engineered Doomsday. What could possibly go wrong? And I want to give you a little background on this, because last Friday I talked about the history of synthetics and chemicals and pharmaceuticals. Especially at the forefront of this 150-year-old industry was and is a company called Bayer. Now, they came up with a compound called aspirin, which was used and misused wildly um, and widely uh, during the 1918 Spanish flu. Well, in 1901, they came up with what they thought would be the best cough medicine ever made uh, from an opium derivative, and they called it heroin. Forward to the Second World War, and we find that Bayer supplied Germans with pharmaceuticals, dyes, explosives, and poison gas. And this is the very same Bayer that still makes... Many common uh, pharmaceuticals, over-the-counter, some, some not, Cipro, Xarelto, Claritin, Alka-Seltzer, Aleve. In 2016, Bayer bought out GMO giant Monsanto for $66 billion. Their profits profits alone average about $20 billion per year, and I think that's even an older number. I mentioned also last week they made enough Zyklon B gas to kill millions of Jews with enough left over to kill 200 million humans. The entire population of the U.S., In 1970. Now there were many other players over the years who wanted a piece of this chemical pie but Bayer is the rabbit trail today and they are obviously still going strong and supplying the globalists with a lot more mischief. A company called Ginkgo Bioworks has signed a huge deal with Bayer to produce modified soil microbes. What is that? Well if you go to Ginkgo's website you will learn out of the gate that this company is committed to artificial everything Food, plants, soil. And here are just a couple of quotes from their page. Biology is the most advanced manufacturing technology on the planet. We program cells to make everything from food to materials to therapeutics. So when they talk about fake meat, that's what they're talking about. Another quote, changing the future of food. I call them frankenfoods. Uh, Supporting the vaccine supply chain. chain. Again, this is all on Ginkgo Bioworks website. They, They have a huge deal with Bayer. To, to go forth and do these things. Uh if you go to their site you'll figure out pretty quickly that their goal is to mess with the DNA of virtually everything and genetically engineer our lives until I maintain until we starve to death. Uh, they say about this bioengineered dirt, quote, to engineer microscopic living creatures in the soil like bacteria and fungi to enhance their ability to kill pests or generate generate nutrients like nitrogen. Now You need to know this about soil. A handful of healthy soil contains more microbes than there are people on the planet. Soil ecosystems are marked by incredible complexity. Well, probably because God made it out of nothing, right? Pesticide uh, overusage has already destroyed the soil and human health over the years. GMOs from Monsanto has given uh, a multinational corporation patent rights on seeds, of such everyday crops as corn and soy and have also made a lot of people very sick. GMO crops, uh, the seeds are patented. The farmer cannot uh, use the seeds from a previous crop. They have to buy them. And uh, there's so much more we could talk about that, and maybe sometime I will. Now, with that background, I want to look at Patrick's article. It's a little long, but this is really worth it because um, this adds on to our um, what we started talking about last week. Patrick Wood, genetic scientists on track to create a genetically engineered doomsday. Bayer's modified soil microbes could trigger a genetically engineered doomsday for agriculture. Is that what Bayer wants? If you don't like the toxic pollution from industrial agriculture's synthetic nitrogen fertilizers and pesticides, Bayer and its partner, Ginkgo Bioworks, have a solution for you. They say they're going to swap out some of the old fossil fuel-based agrochemicals for genetically engineered microbes. Now, we're no fan of pesticides and synthetic fertilizers, but let's not jump from the frying pan into the fire. The uncontrolled spread of genetically engineered microbes could contaminate soil on such a vast scale that it could be the end of farming. You don't have to take our word for it. Just read Ginkgo's own report to the Securities and Exchange Commission. It's like a sci-fi writer's brainstorm of plots for a disaster movie. And now this is kind of long, so I'm just going to summarize and read some of it, but talk about not taking any responsibility. This is Ginkgo's uh, own report. Quote, The release of genetically modified organisms or materials, whether inadvertent or purposeful, into uncontrolled environments could have unintended consequences. The genetically engineered organisms and materials that we develop may have significantly altered characteristics compared to those found in the wild, You know, like, like dirt, And the full effects of deployment or release of our genetically engineered organisms and materials into uncontrolled environments may be unknown. In particular, such deployment or release, including an unauthorized release, hmm, could impact the environment or community generally or the health and safety of our employees, our customer employees, and the consumers of our customers' products. (laughs) In addition, if a high-profile biosecurity breach or unauthorized release of a biological agent occurs within our industry – our customers and potential customers may lose trust in the security of laboratory environments in which we produce these genetically modified organisms and materials. Any adverse effect resulting from such a release by us or others could have material adverse effect on the public acceptance of products from engineered cells and our business and financial condition. And I'll skip down some of this uh, techno babble. And they say we could err in our observance of compliance program requirements in a manner that leaves us in non-compliance of other, of biosecurity rules. Third parties may use our engineered cell materials and organisms and accompanying production processes in ways that could damage our reputation. Well, we have established a biosecurity program. To ensure that third parties do not obtain our engineered cells and other materials, we cannot guarantee that these preventative measures will eliminate or reduce the risk of domestic and global opportunities for the misuse or neglig- negligent use of our engineered cell materials and organisms and processes. Yay for Ginkgo. It goes on to say Ginkgo's SEC filing makes clear how unleashing Franken microbes into the environment might wreak havoc But if that doesn't do it for you, there's a chilling true story from Dr. Elaine Ingham. And he actually has a video embedded in this article. So you can look that up for yourself. Um, Again, the article is Genetic Scientists on Track to Create a Genetically Engineered Doomsday. Anyway, he explains this about Dr. Ingham. She was an associate professor at Oregon State University and led a study on genetically engineered soil bacterium that changed the course of her career and threatened all plant life on earth. In the 90s, a European biotech company, uh, I don't know which one, but reports identify it as German, like Bayer and BASF, were preparing to commercialize a genetically engineered soil bacteria called Klebsiella planticola in its natural form Planticola helps decompose plant matter. The genetically modified version was intended to convert plant waste into alcohol to be used as fertilizer or fuel. But when Dr. Ingham and her team decided to run their own test on the alcohol-producing bacteria, they discovered it not only killed all the plants tested, but had potential to kill all terrestrial plants. Her findings ultimately prevented the genetically altered bacterium from being commercialized and also brought about the end of her affiliation with Oregon State University, an institution funded by the biotech industry. She lost her university job when she saved the world from a GMO microbe that could have killed every plant on the planet and tells us everything about the intentions of biotech behemoths like Bayer. Bayer has amassed a collection of at least 125,000 wild microbe strains and in 2019 created an umbrella branch for related products called Biologicals by Bayer. So they just keep plugging. Um, uh, it says, i uh, skip down a little bit here, Bayer has made a pledge to reduce, quote, reduce the environmental impact of crop production by 30% without sacrificing yield and health of harvest. Yeah, right? By 2030. The truth is Bayer has no plans to reduce its pesticide sales. What's looking to do is create additional products uh, to stack on top of the ones it already sells. Uh, Bayer is working with Bill Gates. Well, surprise, surprise. Um, the soil microbe scam is just another in a long line of empty promises about the potential benefits of genetic engineering for food and farming. Farming. We've been fed so many lies about GMOs that were going to feed the world. That did not happen, of course. Um, GMOs, they were supposed to reduce pesticide use. No. They were supposed to be safe, but they were never safely tested. They were going to coexist with organic, but Monsanto made sure the burden was on non-GMO farmers to protect themselves from genetic pollution. In other words, if um, when these seeds go to seed and there's an organic farm next to it, the organic farm pollen, they don't cross-pollinate, the GMO pollen destroys the organic farm. So that's the way that works. Um, GMOs were supposed to make farming more resilient to climate change. Lie. Bayer claims to care about farmers, but 11,000 rice farmers had to sue when Bayer contaminated rice seeds with unapproved GMO traits, that, like I was just saying. Bayer eventually paid $750 million, and farmers still cannot grow that rice. And it's destroying the soil. This is just an uh, unbelievable uh um, <laughs> And I've mentioned that Bayer is evil now, two Fridays in a row. But uh, Patrick says, Bayer is evil. From Zyklon B to Agent Orange to glyphosate-based herbicides like Roundup to pollinator-poisoning neonics, that that would be your bees and your birds. The company has done nothing but try to kill us and destroy our capacity to feed ourselves. So that is something to keep an eye on. And uh, Patrick closes with, he says this, these genetic scientists have egregiously abused science by already contaminating the gene pool of every living thing on this planet. Collectively, they've been plotting the takeover of all genetic materials since 1992. The only way to stop them is to take away their key cards and their containment suits, escort them out of their laboratories, permanently ban them from any other scientific research for life, and raise the buildings to the ground. And I cannot agree more with Patrick Wood on all that. But what a world we're living in. Such perilous times. Very interesting. There is a got to throw this in there. It reminds me of an old joke about human arrogance. And I'm going to read this. A lot of you have heard this. One day a group of scientists got together and decided that humanity had come a long way and they no longer needed God. So they picked one scientist to go and tell him that they're done with him. The scientist walked up to God and said, God, we've decided we no longer need you. We're to the point where we can clone people, manipulate atoms, build molecules – fly through space, and do many other miraculous things. So why don't you just go away and mind your own business from now on? God listened very patiently to the man, and after the scientist was done talking, God said, very well, how about this? Before I go, let's have a human-making contest. To which the scientist replied, okay, we can handle that. But, God said, we're going to do this like I did back in the old days with Adam. The scientist nodded, sure, no problem, and bent down and picked up a handful of dirt. God wagged a figure at him and said, no, 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 put that down. Go find your own dirt. So as they say, you can't even make an apple pie from scratch without understanding what that means in the origins of the universe. All right, number two, American thinker. Why hasn't the CDC warned about all the diseases that could be brought in because of Biden's open borders? Now, we've covered all the potential terrorist activity from open borders, but what about disease? And I have never seen so many varied bugs circulating as I have this winter, as if COVID's ever presence in the mix that we've already grown up with isn't bad enough. Uh, And the American Thinker says, this is January 30th, uh, why hasn't the CDC warned about all the diseases that could be brought in? Uh, The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is supposed to be an independent agency looking out for the health of the American people. So why hasn't it protested the endless streams of illegals pouring across the northern and southern borders, all of whom are allowed to enter without being checked for disease or illness? Are these bureaucrats more interested in protecting their jobs and going along with the political agenda of Biden instead of pr- protecting public health? <laughs> Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> Eight million people, not counting Godaways have shown up at the southern border during Biden's first three years and the CDC doesn't require a vaccine passport or, as it appears, check them for anything, despite the fact that they come from the most unhygienic corners of the world and they're simply released throughout the U.S. So why haven't the concerned scientists at the CDC protested? They warned us about measles saying they have tracked seven cases that have been brought into the country, but they don't tell us From where or how? Now, I remember a fall of 2019, there was a big fuss on the news about measles. And I got the impression from, from those at, um, the evening news that that, they were warning on a level of pandemic. And when that didn't pan out, then we got COVID. So they're, they're forever trying to find something and, 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 you know, stir up the dust here. But the article goes on to say, why didn't the USA Today author, um, okay, CDC, uh, let me go back a little bit. CDC issues alert that measles cases are up, urging health providers to watch for disease. And that's a USA Today headline. Okay. Why didn't the USA Today author ask where they came from and why didn't he say a word about open borders? Of course, the media does not care. I think that's simple enough. During COVID, draconian restrictions were imposed upon U.S. citizens, but not on the people coming in illegally. And they keep asking why. I think we all know that. It's about medical tyranny, Anthony Fauci, et cetera, et cetera. Um and it's a wonder you know it's no wonder people don't trust the CDC. Why in the world would they? So I it's just something to keep an eye on, but I have noticed a lot of strange and varied viruses this year, complicated. Ugh. All right. Um number 3. Speaking of um uh, we're going to talk about here the American Federation of Teachers. Here's a little background. The National Education Association, that's your NEA and the American Federation of Teachers, that's the AFT, they were the first teachers' unions in the U.S. They are the largest, most influential unions to date. About a month ago or so, a little longer maybe, I mentioned that the head of the AFT, Randy Weingarten, that's Randy with an I, made the news by saying she couldn't figure out why there's a mass exodus from public schools to homeschooling. Huh. Huh. Of course, she and her cronies are the answer. Talk about being completely tone deaf. So this headline, the American Federation of Teachers comes out for Hamas. Destroying the education of a generation wasn't enough for Randy Weingarten. It says, after destroying the education of a generation of students and boosting teenage suicide rates so its members could work from home with its school lockdowns, The American Federation of Teachers was understandably lost for a sequel. How do you top something so selfish and evil? The answer is to come out for Hamas. The leftist campaign to demand an end to Israeli attacks on Hamas under the guise of a ceasefire, during which, as before, the Islamic terror group will be able to kill Jews, but Israel won't be allowed to fight back, has scored with leftist unions. The new narrowly elected DSA socialist leadership of the UAW got the Auto Workers Union to demand an end to Israeli attacks on Hamas. SEIU's inclusion on the list was easy enough. Then the AFT uh, Teachers Union is among the most leftist unions around. AFT does have more Jewish members than the other unions on the list, but Jews are still very much a minority. And the AFT is dominated by Randy Weingarten, a leftist anti-Israel activist whose social media feed is packed with wall-to-wall anti-Israel propaganda. Weingarten's girlfriend, Sharon Kleinbaum, Jewish, had a rebellion at her temple over saying Kaddish for Hamas. Kaddish is the Jewish mourning prayer, which she used to mourn the fate of Hamas. Weingarten is of Jewish ancestry, but it has a history of advocating against Israel and making anti-Semitic Semitic remarks. She had previously ranted that American Jews are now part of the ownership class, who now want to take that ladder of opportunity away from those who don't have it. This is a classic lie about, about the Jews. When asked by a Jewish Jewish journalist if unions like hers had too much power, ooh, you think? The Weingarten AFT call for a ceasefire in, is a world class example of dishonesty, even for a proposal that attempts to spin saving Hamas as a peace movement. The resolution claims to be opposed to Hamas when its purpose is to give Hamas what it wants. And it's packed with assorted nonsense about a non-Hamas government, which is a fantasy that is impossible without eliminating Hamas. Randy Weingarten, a world-class sociopathic liar, has managed to produce a document that makes saving Hamas sound like it's anti-Hamas, and which begins with the premise that Israel has a right to defend itself in order to oppose exactly that thing. But who else could manage to deprive children of an education for two years so that her colleagues could lay on the beach before phoning in a Zoom class and pretend that she's doing it for the children? Secretary of State Mike Pompeo called Weingarten one of the most dangerous figures around, and her pro-Hamas resolution proves that right, and that is from Daniel Greenfield. Yes, state of education today. Kind of on that same trail. I think I probably have time for one more here before the break. Wisconsin imam calls for the genocide of the Jews. They will all be executed by Muslims. Wisconsin imam calls for genocide of Jews. That is the headline from Front Page Magazine. I don't know if I'm going to mess up his name here, but Imam El Hagi Jalo is a pillar of the community in Madison, Wisconsin. He has been a guest of Governor Tony Evers and is happy to meet with non-Muslims who are interested in learning about Islam. After the October 7th Hamas massacre in Israel, however, Jalo showed a different side, one that authorities in Wisconsin would do well to note carefully. will they? Unlikely. That would be Islamophobic. but this is very serious nevertheless. The Middle East Media Research Institute, or MEMRI, on Friday posted excerpts from a hair-raising Friday sermon Jallo preached at the Medina Community Center in Madison six days after the massacres in Israel. This imam, who according to the Medina Community Center website, quote, meets with non-Muslims to help grow an understanding of the Islamic religion, offering a revealing glimpse of what all too many Muslims, including himself, Thinks the Islamic religion is about, and it likely differs markedly from the soothing version he presents to inquirers. Now, memory had a um, a tweet or X post, and it says: Madison, Wisconsin, Friday sermon by Imam Jallo following October seventh attack. Quote: Our brothers in Gaza are heroes. Only jihad can bring glory and victory to the Muslims. The Jews will be killed, executed by the Muslims. Jallo offered a version of jihad as warfare that differed sharply from the, quote, spiritual struggle line that Islamic spokesmen and apologists in the West much more frequently provide. And while we've been told again and again that that the overwhelming majority of Muslims in the U.S. reject terrorism, what he had to say less than a week after a terror group carried out an appalling series of mass killings. He said, we neglected the principle of support, which is jihad for the sake of Allah. Investigative journalist Daniel Greenfield pointed out Sunday that all of this is vastly different from what he has said publicly before. In 2016, Jala was reported as having saying Islam has nothing to do with terrorism. He said terrorist attacks carried out across the globe by those who identify as Muslim are not acts of Islam. And, you know, we've had many guests on here uh, who are experts in Islam who will tell you that uh, they, just, they just say what they think people want to hear. So I, I know that nobody listening here is buying any of that. The report depicted Jalloh laying it on thick. Quote, Islam condemns the killing of human beings. But after October 7th, he cried out, Oh, Jews, you unjust, criminal, corrupt oppressors, stop. You will almost definitely be killed. The Jews, the aggressors, the evil, you describe them, what they do. By Allah, all of them will be killed by Muslims. All of them will be executed by Muslims. They will all be killed. This is a divine promise that will inevitably, inevitably be fulfilled. This is a promise from Allah. It is going to happen. They will all be killed. Blah, blah, blah. Probably giving him way too much time as it is. But this is in our own backyard here in Wisconsin. And there is so much anti-Semitic activity that is taking place all over the country, all over the world. And even though it's not on the front burner of the headlines, I mean, you can't even find Israel headlines anymore. It just has petered out to nothing. If you have a news app, um, Fox or whatever, um, where you just sort of take in sound bites, basically, it's not news, but... Um, they aren't even covering what's going on in Israel. And we're going to have, I'm going to mention this now, Paul Scharf next Tuesday, Friends of Israel, because I have some questions for him, and I think it's a great time to get another update uh, because we're not hearing about this. But I guess (laughs) it's silly to think it wouldn't be in our own backyard, especially in in Madison, you know, the Moscow, of the Midwest. So I think that is something that isn't terribly surprising. But is, uh, I mean, isn't there something some law that he has broken where he has to, um, you know, legally speaking, uh, atone for this or account for this. Or um Front page magazine, Robert Spencer, he goes on to say, did he just call for genocide? That sure looks like it. If a Christian preacher had said anything like this, you can bet it would have been taken for one. Can't say that about Islam from the pulpits here in America. But what's even more remarkable, it's been four days now since memories clips from his sermon were published, um, and yet um, the reporter seems to have asked him about the, have, has, there's a word missing here in this article, I'm pretty sure. seems to have asked him about all these bloodthirsty words. He has had to offer no explanation, no retraction. No one cares. And why did Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers invite Jallo to the executive residence in May to celebrate the Muslim holiday of Eid? Will Evers be asked to apologize and repudiate Jallo? come on, man, this isn't a Republican governor we're talking about. Evers is more likely to bring Jallo back to the mansion and give him a an award. So um, just because you're not hearing about it doesn't mean it's not going on. And I, I just think this is just reprehensible. I have no idea why he hasn't been called to give an account for this, calling for the genocide of the Jews. Um, Anti-Semitic marches, like I said, continue to go on all over the world. You're going to have to dig... If you want to get some information on that, Front Page Magazine is great. Also, like I mentioned, the Middle East Media Research Institute, Memory, M E M R I. You can follow them online. You can follow them um, on X, et cetera, et cetera. So that's uh, just the beginning of uh, their headlines for today. I've got quite a bit more coming up, and I'm glad you're with me today. We had our 30th anniversary. A celebration last night. I got to meet uh, some of the listeners. A great fellowship. A great time. And the Lord just continues uh, to bless Q90FM because we are uh, Truth Radio. We are listener supported and we thank you so much. We appreciate every one of you. So we'll be back in two minutes uh, with more headlines on this Friday, February the 2nd. Stay with me. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our truth-at-any-cost mission strong. for StandUpForTheTruth.com Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth for this Friday, February the 2nd. It's Ground Squirrel Day. If you missed the first half, that might uh, be confusing to you, but happy Marmot Day. Um, at the beginning of uh, the first half, I mentioned something about preservatives. We have a 100% organic podcast But the scriptures contain preservatives. And I want to read a verse, Psalm 61, 7, and elaborate that just a little bit before I get back to my very eclectic mix of headlines today. Psalm 61, verse 7 says, He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. And then I ask the question, do you know your Bible contains preservatives? Without mercy and truth, there is no preservation for any of us. Now, grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Here's an example. Suppose I'm speeding down the highway and a policeman pulls me over. If he doesn't give me a ticket, he gave me mercy. If he gives me only a $50 citation, he gave me grace. Now, we get plenty of grace in our walk with the Lord, and we should get grace from other forgiven believers, and we should seek to extend grace, and as much of it, as possible at all times. Mercy, well, you know, that's God's department. It's what allows us to go to heaven in spite of being born fallen. We will be preserved for all eternity by his mercy. We are preserved in this life by his truth. Such an awesome combination that we cannot live without living at the corner, the intersection of mercy and truth. Mercy, yes, mercy and truth. Your Bible, your Bible contains preservatives mercy and truth. Again, Psalm 61, seven. So I thought I would just uh, elaborate on that a little bit about the preservatives in our Bible. Back to some headlines here. Um, this next one is Biden regime expanding intrusive facial recognition scans to all 430 federalized, quote unquote, airports. Joe Biden's Transportation Secretary at Security Administration is moving forward with plans to expand facial recognition technology at all 430 U.S. airports, despite the fact, get this, that a bill has been introduced with bipartisan support calling for the government to end the invasive policy of stealing the biometric data of millions of airport passengers. And that's why this is so interesting because I had heard about, um, this bill that there would not be biometric, um, ID of airport passengers. But this article goes on to say, and this is from Leo Homan, leohoman.com, the TSA says it will install enhanced credential authentication technology, CAT devices, at the airports, and upgrade from previous units used in a pilot program at nearly 30 US airports. The latest CAT scanners, known as CAT-2 units, incorporate facial recognition technology by capturing real-time pictures of travelers and comparing them to their photo IDs. These units have been deployed at nearly 30 airports nationwide and will now be rolled out at more than 400 airports in the coming years. As of now, participation in facial recognition screenings is supposedly optional for travelers who can choose to stick with the standard physical ID verification process. But there have been countless first-hand accounts from airport passengers who have indicated that they were not given any option by the TSA to reject the facial scans. The CAT-2 units utilize one-to-one verification comparing photos against government-issued IDs. They say they delete the images from their system soon after taking them. And in parentheses it says, who are they fooling? We know they keep this data for a very long time, if not indefinitely, so... But according to MSN, I don't take much from MSN, but it happens to be in this article, the TSA emphasizes that photos are not stored after a positive ID match, except during limited testing for evaluating technology effectiveness. What a great excuse. This testing involves a block of two to four weeks at specific locations, with data collected and submitted to the DHS Science and Technology Directorate for independent analysis. The more big words they use, the more they're lying, just so you know. Also, when their lips move, they know they're lying. It goes on to say, here's the catch. TSA may not keep the data for more than a few weeks, but they have no control over, say, Homeland Security and other entities to which they pass the information on. So this is selective lying. A bipartisan group of senators, led by Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana and Jeff Merkley of Oregon, Democrat, um. Senator John Kennedy is a Republican. Jeff Merkley is a Democrat. Okay. Introduced legislation in November of 23 to ban TSA from using facial recognition, citing privacy concerns. The government's increasing reliance on facial recognition has prompted calls for greater regulations around its quickly expanding usage. The Senators say their bill, called the Travelers' Privacy Protection Act, prevent the agency from further exploiting the technology and storing your bio data. There's that little prefix again, bio, it's everywhere. The decision by the Biden regime to go ahead and expand this invasive, tyrannical tracking program in the face of congressional concerns tells you all you need to know about this regime, that and more. They could care less what the people or the representatives think about their globalist beast system policies. The Senators stressed that the overwhelming majority of Americans are unaware that they have the right to opt out of facial screenings. Okay, travelers, you have the right to opt out. No one is asked if they wish to grant permission for the government to scan their faces. It's just sneakily performed on the spot. In addition, airports are supposed to have a sign alerting travelers that their photo will be taken as part of the pilot program, and they have the right to opt out. But most passengers say the signs are so small they didn't even notice them. And here's a quote from Michelle Bachman, a former Republican member of Congress from Minnesota. Um, she says, I walked up to the agent at security in Norfolk. Rather than handing her my ID, she told me to put it in a card reader machine. Then she said, look into the camera. Before I could respond, the camera had taken my picture and she told me the camera matched my face with my ID. I had no choice. I also recently reported, the article says, which I also did myself recently report, that the TSA is allowing illegal aliens to board planes without showing any ID at all. They are politely asked if they will submit to a face scan, but have the option of saying no. Isn't that special? This is part of the two America system that is taking shape in this country. One set of standards applies to foreign nationals and the other to U.S. citizens. Two Americas, often operating within the same jurisdiction, within a two-tiered system of justice, which they refer to as a democracy. Any U.S. citizen who complains about the system or even questions it risks getting placed on government watch list of persons considered to be, as described by the globalists, a threat to our democracy. Or, I don't know, domestic terrorists, even that. The article concludes... Leo Holman concludes with, It won't be long before this face-scanning technology is required of patrons checking into hotels, casting their votes, checking into a hospital, or any number of other everyday functions in life. This is the beast system envisioned by the WEFers associated with the Great Reset and Fourth Industrial Revolution. These technocrats envision an Orwellian world of total information awareness where they have the right to scoop up your personal information while performing literally every daily function, tracking, monitoring you in real time so they can assess whether you are staying within your soon-to-be-allotted daily carbon footprint. Once the central bank digital currencies are in place, they will simply put a freeze on your bank account when you've surpassed your carbon limit for the month. If you have a complaint, to whom will you lodge it? Good question. The whole system will be run by non-human artificial intelligence. And you won't be allowed to ask questions anyway, so... Um, you know, we've been told that this is coming. I, I never, and I've said this before, I never thought I would see so much of this beast system framework in place, a turnkey system where the right person just has to flip a switch and everything's ready to go. And I believe with all my heart the rapture will kick it off and the world will be in crisis mode like they never imagined. Talk about a black swan event. They will be in crisis mode. They will have to figure out who's here, who has, still has a bank account who can access their bank accounts, who can go to work, absolute chaos. You can see, if you think about the chaos that will result from something like the rapture of the church, now you can understand why the control has to be in, in place. So very, very interesting times we are living in, and don't ever be discouraged about any of it, because um, like I opened up with we are pilgrims and strangers, and that's what I'm going to close with too. One more from, uh, this is also from Patrick Wood. Uh, Texas Surprise! Homeowners' thermostats were raised remotely. (laughs) How interesting. So, again, Patrick Wood says, Some neighbors in the Houston area said their homes have been much warmer this week, even while they are running their air conditioners. Many of them claim someone has been turning up the temperature on their thermostats since the energy shortage began. Now, this is Houston, so I'm presuming, you got to understand I live in Wisconsin, and our air conditioning units and our heat units are oftentimes two different things. So you can run your air conditioning, at you turn it off and then you turn your heat on. So this might be a little kissing view to those in the, in the Great North here, but um, I believe what they're doing is just turning the AC off and turning the heat up. So I may be wrong, I may be crazy here, so let me know. Comments at standardforthetruth.com if I just don't get this. But I'm going to read this article and you'll understand what it's about. Many of these in Houston claims someone has been turning up the temperature on their thermostats since the energy shortage began. That's what makes me think they're not turning up the heat because that would be using more energy. Okay, follow me here. The Electric Reliability Council of Texas asked Texans to turn up the temperatures on their thermostats this week. When Deer Park resident Brandon English got home from work on Wednesday, his house was hot. My wife had it cranked down at 2.30, English said. It takes a a long time for this house to get cool when it gets that hot. English's wife and their daughters decided to take their afternoon nap earlier in the day. They'd been asleep long enough that the house had already gotten to 78 degrees, so they woke up sweating. Without anyone touching it, they said the thermostat was changed while they were sleeping, making their home unbearably hot. Was my daughter at the point of overheating? English said she's three months old. They dehydrate very quickly. His wife received an alert on her phone soon after that. The family said the thermostat had been changed remotely, raising the temperature of their home during a three-hour energy-saving event. The family's smart thermostat was installed a few years ago, here's the key, as part of a new home security package. Many smart thermostats can be enrolled in a program called Smart Savers Texas. It's operated by a company called Energy Hub. Always read the fine print, folks. The agreement states that in exchange for an entry into sweepstakes, for whatever that was... Nothing's worth this, if you ask me. Electric customers allow them to control their thermostats during periods of high energy demand. Energy Hub's list of clients include TXU Energy, CenterPoint, and ERCOT. English said he unenrolled as soon as he found out. I wouldn't want anyone else controlling these things for me, he said. A scroll through a Houston Reddit board shows English is not alone. Several others said they found out during this week's heat wave their thermostats were being accessed and turned up remotely. Well, that's smart. Any of these smart meters and smart thermostats, i mean you and you can say, I don't want that, but you'll get it anyway because uh, the analog meters and such that you have are out of date. Obviously, everything has to be digital, and there's really nothing you can do about it. You can fight it maybe for so long and say, I don't want that smart meter. I don't want that smart thermostat. It doesn't matter. That's a waste of time. English said his smart thermostat is convenient, but it's not worth it. If someone can manipulate it, I'm not for it. Well, good for him. You know, I guess if enough people say something, something might change. But uh, Patrick Wood goes on to say, smart grid technology is being used to automatically control these thermostats. Think Nest and Honeywell. In homes in Texas, homeowners were mostly shocked, but technocrats are smiling that electric demand was balanced on the back of its citizens. Technocracy News has warned for years that smart grid technology is the prime directive of technocracy to control energy distribution and consumption, global warming, et cetera, et cetera. All right, I got, uh, I think I have time for another one um, before I close with something else completely different. Hopefully, something hopeful. Uh, this is from Jeff Childers, and he's talking about that, that Iran drone strike. This is very interesting. Uh, Lindsey Graham, he says, had a big weekend. Axios ran the widely covered story this morning under the headline, GOP hawks press Biden to target Iran directly over U.S. soldiers' deaths in Jordan. Jeff says, everything about this warmongering story is weird, and I will show you how right now. Jeff Childers, Coffee and COVID is the is the blog. He says, the Pentagon suddenly and unexpectedly announced this weekend that a multi multiple drone attack at a secretive American outpost somewhere in Jordan, generically labeled Tower 22, had killed three U.S. soldiers and wounded 30 more. The drone attack occurred not in a vacuum, but in the context of widespread and common drone attacks against U.S. military installations all over the Middle East, especially in Iraq, not to mention what can fairly be described as open war in Yemen. Well, don't worry, he says, whoever they are, are going to pay for this unchecked aggression. Yesterday during a campaign event in Columbia, South Carolina, Biden, candidate Biden, vowed revenge. We had a tough day last night in the Middle East and we lost three brave souls. We shall respond. Another person whose lips are moving, which means he's lying. Don't worry. Uh, Oh, he says, "The, uh, the Sunday sneak attack marked the first time any U.S. troops have been reportedly killed by enemy fire in the Mid-East since the Gaza War started. But the region has seen over 100 drone attacks against U.S. troops since the October 7th war. The Pentagon has simply chosen for reasons to really not release any casualty figures. Region, question, why now? The media is suggesting that these casualties are a new development. Some kind of think about it very hard and will buy native. But if you actually claim that as a fact, But that's not even the beginning. Many more mysteries lurk around the shadowy base and the ambiguous attack. Nobody knows how many U.S. troops are stationed at this mysterious star-fort-shaped Tower 22, what they might be doing there, what types of weapons are held there, what kind of air defenses the base had, if any, in light of the well-known fact that our bases there are constantly under drone attack, or even what exactly went sideways in the attack and how it went down. Neither the Pentagon uh neither neither did the Pentagon say what types of drones were used in the attack, Russian ones, Ukrainian ones, Iranian ones, ones from Walmart. The Pentagon also refrained from identifying which service members were killed or injured. And you know, I haven't heard either. I don't have heard anyone um give any names. Maybe you have. I'd be interested in that. Um identifying which service members were killed or injured, how the base responded to the attack or even where exactly Tower 22 is located, except to say it's in northeast Jordan, somewhere near the border. While the Pentagon generically labeled the attack Iranian-backed, if you read carefully, the military stops short of accusing any specific Iranian-backed group or militias. I mean, this is just... Anyway, you can read my thoughts on this. The release details of the attack are so sparse and unhelpful that by the available description, the co- uh, Casualties could even have been caused by a friendly fire incident or an accident, perhaps caused by troops trying to shoot drones down and blowing up, say, an ammo dump by mistake. We just don't know. The Pentagon just isn't saying. Even though the media is broadly accusing Iran, Iran denies any involvement in the attack. Iran has nothing to do with the attacks in question. We believe the region does not need more tension or a new war. Its spokesperson explained to the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Jeff goes on to say, even weirder and more mysterious, corporate media's reports widely claim that the Islamic resistance in Iraq has claimed responsibility for the attack, supposedly in order to force the U.S. out of the region. Good luck with that. But there were even fewer details about that claim than they gave us about Tower 22. The Islamic resistance in Iraq is an umbrella term for a loose group of Iran-backed militias. It's not clear there's any formal structure or leadership at all, as much as the term is just a convenient label. Here's the thing, he says, none of the corporate media reports about the IRI's claim of responsibility identify how the group claimed responsibility. And I keep thinking of Benghazi, and I know that's a whole different story, but um, what a debacle that was. And now this, uh, a lot more questions than answers, of course. He says, which of the groups inside the IRI's uh, umbrella pulled off the job? Is there a joint spokesman? Folks somewhere who announced it, or did they just make a TikTok? Did media see the announcement on Instagram or X? So how does the media know that they even claimed responsibility? People are just making stuff up as they go here. And again, there have been many drone, ta- drone attacks since October 7th around the Middle East, and somehow this makes the news. He says, how can the media report that claim as a fact without at least citing even one single, even anonymous official? This sketchy, unattributed claim broke all their style guides. It's total journalistic malpractice at best and weak war propaganda at worst, and they're all doing it at the same time. So there are more holes in this Tower 22 attack story than in Biden's brain. (laughs) There is zero evidence of Iranian involvement. It's a guess at best. But notwithstanding all those unknowns, all those unanswered questions, and all that ambiguity, some of our top Republicans quote-unquote, are ready to attack. Let's get them. I'll give you one guess which Republicans. Oh, never mind. That's just way too easy. Mitch McConnell demanded the serious crippling costs to Iran, not only on frontline terrorist proxies, but on their Iranian sponsors who wear American blood as a badge of honor, he said. So there's that. Senator Lindsey Graham, and he ends with this, who was never stopped by any lack of evidence before, issued a statement saying attacks on Iranian proxies outside of Iran will not deter Iranian aggression, so we need to strike targets of significance inside Iran. That'll get them. Um, so, you know, it just really remains to be seen. What in the world is going on? What in the world anyone is going to do? Um, you know, World War Three on, on uh, any front. It just seems like people have been pronouncing World War Three has begun for a long time. Um, and, you know, in all fairness, there's plenty of uh, potential war fronts. Like I said, we're going to have Paul Scharf on Tuesday. We're going to talk about Israel. Um, is it going to escalate to what degree? We don't know. I mean, we can't see a minute into the future, so how would we know? But um, there is an article on Rapture Ready News. Uh, it says, Sunday, January 28th, future historians could remember that that is the date that World War III started and, uh, that is on Rapture Ready News for, I think it's the first, February 1st. So very, very interesting. Um, and that this article also talks about this with Iran. So much to watch out for. Now I started out this podcast talking about being pilgrims and strangers and that our citizenship, our politics and everything that that entails is in another world, the one to come and we're to be actively living for and storing up treasure for, and telling our fellow humans about this kingdom to come. Now, I watched a recent film on C.S. Lewis the other day. I think most of you know who that is. And it was entitled, The Most Reluctant Convert. It's on Amazon Prime, and it's different than anything I've seen recently. Uh, a very engaging older actor plays C.S. Lewis in his later years. He narrates his own life from childhood up until the day that he understood the gospel. Now, C.S. Lewis was an atheist. Uh, he was very intelligent. He's someone that I would have called overly educated, you know, because he could argue any vain philosophy in great detail. Uh, but as we would come to see, he would come to see his own soul was in, per- in peril. And the Lord did a great work in his life. Uh, so just watching that testimony unfold is very compelling. And it's very well done, if that interests you. And there's a short quote in it from one of his books that really stuck with me after I had watched this somewhat powerful presentation. Quote, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Now that sense of futility you feel in this world day after day, if you're pacing the cage, as Bruce Coburn sings about, it can be frustrating. Every day kind of looks alike sometimes, but it's a little voice telling you that you've been saved and sealed and prepared for eternity. The best thought that you can have on any given day is that you do not belong in this world or its dying systems. And when you think those things, it will have a purifying effect on your priorities. All those systems, the worldly systems, they come with distractions and bells and whistles. The world just tries to fill itself up to the brim with everything to fill a spiritual void. But as believers, we don't need to befriend the world. We don't need to mimic the world. We're called in a completely different direction. Come out of the world. Mr. Lewis also writes about our fellow travelers in life. He says, we need to conduct all our dealings with people knowing there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Think about that. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, kingdoms, these are mortal. But everyone we interact with is going to live forever, and we are accompanying one another on a journey in which we should take one another seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption, no ruling over. What I get from this is to view every human that's made in God's image as an immortal soul and have that thing that's on the front burner of how I view people. All this to say, and what I want to do here on Stand Up For The Truth, is to point people to the kingdom to come. That is my number one priority and goal, to keep temporal things in their place, especially the schemes of globalists working for their version of immortality. That's what they're after but they're doing mortal things and spurred on by the God of this age who hates you and I made in God's image. And that's why none of the things going on in this world should ever move us from the primary task of pointing people to God's kingdom until the day we pass through that door to the eternal world that we have been promised. Now remember, the cross comes before the crown. So we need to live like this world is not our, our home. We sing it. Great songs I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Are they? I hope you can say that they are. But let's view our fellow man. Let's walk each other home with grace and mercy and kindness and tenderness. Everybody's going through something. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the headlines and the encouragement. And uh, it's Friday. And I know, like I said, Paul Scharf next Tuesday and so much more coming up next Tuesday. So thank you for joining me. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with the exceeding joy to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Have a great day.